Hello, and welcome to another podcast from the Secretariat of Child and Youth Protection. My name is Melanie Takanen, and joining me today is Janet McGee, who comes to us from Blue Sunday, a great child-serving organization, and she's here to share a little bit about what their mission is and some of the things that that they do as an organization. So, uh, Janet, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having us. So can you just share with us a little bit of background information on what exactly Blue Sunday is and how did it kind of come about? How did it originate? Well, Blue Sunday is actually a day that is the last Sunday of April every year in April's Child Abuse Prevention Month. Mm -hmm. And so on that last Sunday, it's called Blue Sunday, and it's the day when churches around the country, uh, parishes, all over the country as well as, as uh, even on some four other continents, oh, wow. uh, will take a time in their morning service or to, in their service to pray for the victims of child abuse and pray for those who rescue them. And so mm. Blue Sunday itself is actually an event. Uh, with uh, really has a life of its own, but it's part of a ministry called Blue Sunday Child Abuse Prevention that uh, started uh, here in South Texas. Uh, out of the need that uh, was shown to my husband and I in our church as uh, we were struggling trying to rescue um, my husband's and my grandchildren whose parents had uh, substance abuse issues. Mm-hmm. And so through the process of rescuing them, we were introduced to this enormous need uh, in our area of children who didn't have grandparents who showed up and said, yes, we want to help be a part of the solution. Uh, they didn't have anyone show up, not their parents and not an aunt and uncle. Anyone would show up and speak for them and say, yes, you know, we're, we want to be a part of, of helping. And so uh, birthed out of our own tragedy, <laughs> yeah, uh, wow. uh, honestly, uh, we didn't know what to do, uh, but we did know how to pray. And so that's where the Blue Sunday Day of Prayer for Abused Children began. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it sounds like this really just came out of kind of the Holy Spirit guiding you through your journey and helping to kind of pay it forward so that the same thing doesn't happen to other children. Absolutely. You know, uh, the truth is we're not, we didn't do this because we're noble. (laughs) (laughs) My husband and I have always worked with children all our lives and uh, uh, we kind of thought it was kind of like insurance for our own children, you know, because we, we knew children, you know, we'd served on so many boards. And, and so when we realized what we were up against, of course we were devastated, mm-hmm. but we were clueless, clueless. They, uh, abused children were just not on our radar. And uh, there were like 2,000 in our area, and that uh, was 25 years ago, and we just, we couldn't believe it. We just couldn't believe it because neither of us had ever had to address this or ever had to look at it, or so we thought. But the truth was we were surrounded in it. Absolutely. And, and, and families, uh, we thought we were the only ones, but there are families, uh, and there's adult survivors everywhere. Uh, the more that God would show us and the more that we'd speak up, the more that people would be naturally drawn to, oh, we can talk about it. I said, yeah, let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so it was through those experiences that uh, it's a, the ministry it is now that helps adult survivors and helps from infants to adults. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you brought up a key point there, Janet, which is we just have to talk about it. I mean, Absolutely. that's really the first step. Absolutely. And, you know, it does come from the top down. Uh, uh, I really think that, that I think uh, 
uh, the church needs to take that role and have that conversation. It's, it's here whether we want to acknowledge it or not, and all it takes is being willing to um, accept the fact that not everything is well in this world. This isn't heaven. Mm-hmm. We're not in it. This is, a, yeah. this is not it. And, and as Christians, we're called to live an abundant life, but that doesn't mean that we're to turn our, our uh, focus only on abundance. We have to also do it what Christ uh, would want us to do, and that's practice pure religion. And that's what it says in the Bible, that we're to visit the orphans and widows in their time of distress. And if ever there was a group of orphans, it's these children. They're orphans by choices. You know, you used to think, most mm-hmm. people think of orphans as a tragedy happened. But the truth is, we've got, you know, over 6 million new cases a year of, of man-made orphans mm-hmm. from people who have walked away or have... Um, uh, simply not taking care of their kids or have actually abused and hurt them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, definitely highlights such a need in our society and just the importance of the root of prayer and keeping that yes. as not the entire solution, obviously, but definitely a part of what we can all do, something simple that we can all do to help this cause. Well, I, I, I can tell you from my personal experience is that if you don't start with prayer, there's no telling where you'll end up. <laughs> Because I've ended up in lots of places in, in this battle where I thought, well, now wait a minute, you know. Uh, so I do believe in prayer. I do believe we put feet to our prayer mm-hmm. uh, by taking that next step. But you don't want to go take, you, you want to hear, you want to hear and feel what the Holy Spirit would lead you to do. And uh, the very basic thing would be to begin with prayer. Absolutely. So how many people typically participate in Blue Sunday every year? And how does it compare now to when you guys were first starting this ministry out? Well, the first year we had 20 churches. We, we, we didn't know what to do, but we did mm-hmm. know how to pray. And so we, mm-hmm. we asked our church. And, and at that point, uh, our pastor said, well, I asked him, what do you think about asking a few other churches? And, and it was a touchy subject. I mean, I mean, it's not something, you know, that you mm-hmm. think about people gathering around, but yet it's turned out to be exactly that. So he said, yes, let's go for it. So we invited 20 churches. And then last year had about 10 million people participate. Wow. And so it's really growing and it keeps growing and it keeps growing. I can remember when it hit a million, I thought, well, I'm not going to count anymore. <laughs> uh, we're done. We've hit the mark. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll still promote it. We'll still, you know, fight for, for these kids by meeting needs locally, but um, a million. And so, you know, uh, I know that God must laugh at what we think um, he's capable of. And I thought my mind was that he could do a million. Mm-hmm. But uh, his heart is for these children. Mm-hmm. His absolutely. heart is for these kids. So we want to join our hearts with his. Yeah, absolutely. And this is just, again, one example of something that we can do for that. Well, you know, just to bow your head and pray, there's people sitting in churches all over the United States who wish they knew what to do. They mm-hmm. wish they knew what their, their purpose is. Uh, they love God. They love their church. But there's something in there that's not been met, and that's because they haven't found what they're to do. And so that's why I think it's important that we pray so that when people pray, typically I've never been to a church where we would pray or, uh, or participated even in our own church where we pray, that someone does not come up to me and, and say, oh, I want to do this. Where do I start? And so we tell them, go start by um visiting our website Mm -hmm. and go through and look at the projects we do because if we do these you can do these 
or let this be the jumping off point of something that you do uh, that we've never thought of. But be sure yeah. and let us know because we want to do it too, you know. Absolutely. And so it's just, there's people there who are just got their own broken hearts. According to national statistics, about 22% of the people sitting in church were victims themselves. Mm-hmm. And most of them are women compared to men. But but still, that's that's almost a quarter of your people. Mm-hmm. And so by never addressing this and never, um, in a way, it's almost, a, it's, it's not a, a, a deliberate re-traumatizing, but it's almost, it's just so stuck in a closet still. They're not comfortable talking about it. But if they can see that the church is standing up and going to take that stand where we're, we're going to, we're going to bring relief and services to this group, this section of our of our uh, community. Uh, those often are the very ones on our team. Nearly everybody that that works has uh, well, as a matter of fact, everyone who's on uh, staff is a victim, and mm-hmm. also oh, wow. uh, most of our volunteers because they mm-hmm. know what it's like. They understand uh, that that loneliness and that uh, fear, and they wow. don't want other children to have to grow up the way they did. Wow, that that's incredible that you have folks that have gone through such a traumatic experience, but have been able to say, what can I do to make sure that this doesn't happen to somebody else? Here's something else that I can do. That's great. And you mentioned some other uh, projects that are going on. So does Blue Sunday do um, other activities throughout the year other than kind of the focus on this day of prayer? We do. You know, I, I originally, you know, I really know that I heard God that we needed to pray, uh, but also, then I felt like, well, we need to be doing, we need to actually be doing services. It's one thing to say pray, and then go hear God about what you're to do, but then it wasn't right that God tugged on our heart, you need to be helping kids. And it started mm-hmm. because we were in court one day, and we saw, um, oh, it was seven or eight children, and they had not seen each other in court. It was the only time they'd seen each other, and it was like once every three months while the judge was still hearing and hoping the that family members would stand up and say they or show up uh, and say, "Hey, we want these kids." Well, their caseworker was, uh, and and they didn't have just one caseworker. Uh, mm-hmm. Matter of fact, these kids were in all different foster homes, and they hadn't seen each other, and they were all hanging on each other. One, the oldest one, was carrying the babies, and mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was chaos in court that day, and the judge was so angry that these kids were not getting to see each other, and of course, we're there, you know. It, whether on our own family case, uh-huh. but my husband, I looked over and he's just a little rock. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not uh, emotional. And he looked over me, had big tears. And he says, wow, you know, we can do something about that. Uh-huh. And I hesitated because I thought we use sometimes in my family, we means me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's not how it turned out. We, we have years and years of, of serving on, on different boards. And so we took and, and ministry to children. And so we took what we knew from that background, um, and we working alongside only with Child Protective Services. We don't do anything apart from working with the state agencies because mm-hmm. that's where the rubber meets the road, Absolutely. and that's and they're the ones that are needing the help. And so they, we went to them and they said, "Look, these children didn't are not seeing each other." They said, "Yes, it's a problem." And they said, "If children will see their siblings, even though they've been removed and can't live in the same foster home, but they can just see their siblings, they have better outcomes." So. What we did, we started having parties, and it sounds all fluff, but it's not. It's healing. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so all these years we take kids to the zoo. I mean, it's wild, wow. maybe four or 500 kids, 600 kids. <laughs> um, yeah. That, and uh-huh, the cool wow. thing is they're not really our responsibility. That's the cool thing about working with the state uh, churches. If you can, if you can dream an event for these kids where they can be with their siblings, they're really not your responsibility while you're doing it. You just host the party uh-huh. because they have to be under the care of their foster parents. They yeah. have to be under the care of the state agencies. And so we host events and we make sure they see their siblings throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, at Christmas, oh, wow. especially, you know, everybody uh, loves to give toys at Christmas, but the truth is uh, at our parties, we, we never gave toys because these kids just wanted to see their siblings because there's, that is the only time many of them would even, that was their only Christmas memory with their siblings. Oh, if wow. they're not in the same foster home. Mm-hmm. And so, because if you're uh, in separate foster homes, what foster mom's going to say, oh, yeah, bring all seven kids over here today. You know, she mm-hmm. has five other foster kids. And so understanding how the, how the more that a church will get involved, the more the state will share their needs. And then God will show the church what, what areas they need to maybe uh, jump in. But I can promise you, if your church has a gym, you can host a party for foster kids. Have an Easter party. Um, tell mm-hmm. tell CPS, hey, we want to be. We're on your team now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Even though you threw us out, we're back on your team. Uh, <laughs> and and make your building available. And and you know what is it? Cupcakes, uh, a video, uh, some games. Mm-hmm. But you know what? In all the twenty five years of us doing this, we've never had one argument or fight or discipline problem at one of our events. Wow. With 500 kids, that's really saying something. It is. But you know what? It's because they're so happy to see each other. Yeah. It's yeah. none of this pushing who gets to be first and who mm-hmm. who gets the biggest cookie. That just does not happen. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. To, it really is incredible to witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do, we, that, we call that our kinship program. Is when we help uh, kinship, uh, I'm sorry, that's our sibling rivalry program. And that's where we get the... The, the siblings all together for events. Uh, another thing we do is uh, we have a kinship care program where we keep kids out of foster care by helping what we call kinship care families. And a kinship care family is basically a family member who agrees to take in these abused children to keep them from going into foster care. Mm-hmm. But that typically it's, an, it's, typically it's a grandmother or it's going to be an aunt or a cousin now, in the state of Texas, it can even be a very close friend, as long as they are not a part of the offense that caused the children to be removed. Mm-hmm. So if they're an older fam- an older couple, uh, they may not have an apartment big enough, so they may have to move. So they're going to need help getting utilities back on, or they yeah. might need a little moving expenses. But for sure, our biggest call for are things like, I'll take them, but we don't have that many beds. Mm-hmm. We need a high chair. We need uh, car seats. Mm-hmm. And, you Your know, basics. Well, that's right. And so when we get that car seat, we, we don't just give a car seat, man. We're praying for that family. Mm-hmm. And in, and there's a program that, I'll, if you don't mind me sharing with you, uh, we found a program, or should I say it found us. It's called Care Portal. And Care Portal is the simplest thing I've ever seen for may, helping the faith community meet needs of kinship care families and keep kids out of foster care. It's just careportal.org. And it's, what it is, it's, it's just an online software program you can sign up for. It's very inexpensive for a church to participate. But you actually go into the children's uh, uh, homes 
that mom that just lost her home because the husband was the abuser, mm-hmm. you could actually go and take that little high chair or that car seat or that new bed that she needs, whatever CPS says they have to have in order to have their own children mm-hmm. or that family member, extended family, whatever they need. When you go to that house, um, you can pray with them. Mm-hmm. You can tell them about your church, wherever it is. You, this is a ministry opportunity. The state is open to the doors, open wide for. But Care Portal is a simple tool to use. It's just careportal.org, and you can look, look it up, and I encourage people to do that. It has taken what we do, and we have multiplied ourselves tenfold because we now have, uh, where it was Blue Sunday doing this just in our area, we have 18 churches signed up now. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so that's, it's a wonderful tool. And, and how they got the permission to, to allow us to do that is they just ask their, and it's, it takes some training by the state, but if it, but care portal can help them with that. Um, we can help them with that. Uh, they just need to sign a little form that says, yes, I want to receive help from someone in the faith community. Mm -hmm. Wow. And who better to do that? Who better to do that than someone that's going to go in and share faith? Not here's a car seat. Hope you <laughs> hope you've got groceries next week. You know, uh-huh. when the faith community walks in, they look around and say, "Wow, you need a lamp. I've got a lamp. I'm going to bring you a lamp." <laughs> you know, hey, uh-huh. you need the. They go in with God's heart. Yeah, they're not just going in and providing a need and saying, "You know, hope all is well with you." We can't do anything apart uh-huh. from working with the state, and that's going to be a real, real interesting new step for a lot of churches because most people don't. You know, there's such a separation between church and state. Well, when it comes to abused children, that wall between those two is, is dissolved. Mm-hmm. So churches just have to be willing to reach out and contact their local state agency. And they can go on our site, and, and there's materials there that can even help them with that. Oh, wow. We, we, we have happy family materials that people can download off of our website. You can add your name, your church's name to that. Uh, we give permission to people to use it any way they see fit. We hand out posters of it that go up in schools, goes up in classrooms. Uh, there's little, little uh, projects for children as well. It's a great thing to hand out on the National Day of Prayer in your church because it's not, there's nothing scary about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a video. Uh, we have free bulletins and stickers that you can also use on that day. And we have a wonderful video called Lost and Found mm-hmm. that is four minutes long that you can use to sh- just, just perfect for Sunday morning if you're going to pray. Because most people don't think they know any abused children, even though they're surrounded by it. But this shows what it takes for a child to actually be rescued. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, most videos that are out there on this topic are typically about 10 minutes long, which is hard to show. But this is our newest project, and it's, it's, um, I've never seen one quite so accurate. So we always encourage people to use the video on that Sunday. We do projects like our foster teens. We uh, have a little mentoring project. Uh, we take them to, uh, we have camp for them. Uh, we collect prom dresses for them. Uh, we um, do teen parenting classes. Uh, we help them at graduation. We want to help launch them into everything that um, CPS can do for them. Ch- uh, and I'm sorry, CPS is Child Protective Services. These kids have free uh, college education and trade school education, but most of them leave the minute they can get out. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do that is basically they've been growing up in a in a daycare center 
That's basically what it's like. And mm -hmm. so what we do is we come alongside CPS, and it's kind of like having your aunt come over and tell you the same thing your mom did, but you're, you listen to your aunt. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> they hear it from someone else and fresh, and they hear it in fun settings where we're loving on them at the same time, not, not a mandatory class they have to take. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that, uh, we could, if kids can get uh, the, an education where they can make a career, if they can learn to love the outdoors, that's, that's really paramount that these kids – don't typically play ball. They don't get involved in things socially outdoors like other kids. Yeah. So we introduce them to that. And then finally we offer them hope. That's, mm -hmm. Those are our three topics. And hope, of course, builds faith. And faith, of course, builds resilience. And that's what these kids need. We also maintain visitation rooms where parents visit their children who've been taken away so that uh, for the purpose of hopefully reunifying them. Mm -hmm. all, all under the eye of Child Protective Services. Uh, we host a brown bag luncheon every month where we invite the uh, Child Protective Services and all other prevention agencies together for lunch with the faith community so we can all hear what needs are. We pray together, and we uh, cross-pollinate all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, people from our volunteers who attend are going to help another agency who have a, a maybe a typical well, uh, issue that they, most of us have is fundraising, so maybe we'll help them with their fundraiser, and they might come alongside us and help us with ours. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we have a faith summit once a year, and uh, that's uh, where we bring some real leaders in this field to come and speak to churches so that they can understand the, the things that they can do, just like beyond prayer. These are This is where they can learn about putting feet to their prayer. And, of course, we have our, our National Day of Prayer. So that's wow. pretty much everything in a nutshell. Other than we do have, <laughs> other than we yeah. do have a uh, blue ribbon church campaign where churches can come and use our materials uh, to train their people, and um, uh, tells them how to get become a blue ribbon church, and that's to get a policy in place and what it needs to have, and then some steps that we ask them to take: do a project within their community, mm -hmm. as well as pray on the National Day of Prayer. Wow. Well, that that's a lot of examples that you just provided as far as, <laughs> as how as dioceses can get more involved and how individual parishes can get more involved. So if we have a, a diocese or a parish that says, hey, I want to do something about this, whether it's some of those other avenues that you mentioned, if it's doing the prayer, if it's becoming a blue ribbon church, well, what's the first step? Where, what should they do? Where should they go? Well, I recommend that they uh, go to our website. And, and look under outreach links, and there's organizations there. There are national organizations that are in every every county and every parish uh, that they could call and just simply say, "Hey, is there a need that you have that we can meet?" Mm -hmm. uh, they're scrambling during holidays. They scramble during holidays. They scramble during getting kids ready for school. Uh, they scramble with what to do with them during the summer. Uh, I would start by calling my state agencies, mm -hmm. um, uh, the ones who actually enforce the law, and tell them, look, our, we're, we're X number amount of people in our, our church or our parish, and we want to know how, what is your biggest need that, and most pressing need you have right now. And then or tell them, well, ask for your top three. And then of those three, you go back and you present it and say, okay, well, God, what's our job here? You know, what is our, what, mm -hmm. what is our role? And it may be you're supposed to do the parties. It, it may be that you need to let, let the, uh, the prevention professionals use your building for training mm -hmm. uh, or foster families 
maybe you can come alongside the foster family uh, aspect where uh, you help provide foster parents a night out. There's just a list. If you can think of what you and your family need, they need it as well. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. And thank you for sharing all of this, this great information and these wonderful resources too, as far as some way that more uh, parishes and dioceses and folks can continue to support this mission of preventing child abuse. So in, in your mind, Janet, what do you think still needs to happen within society just in terms of child abuse prevention? I would like to see that we speak about it as open as we do substance abuse mm-hmm. and other social issues. I feel like uh, this is this is a uh, a the, I believe this cripples our country, and the real core, up sixty to ninety percent, depending on what report you look at, the core of the cases of children who have to actually be removed is substance abuse related incidents in their home. Mm-hmm. I feel like the church, if they can wrap their brain around talking about mental illness is the second reason. So if they can get, get their focus on not just that we, how do we help these abused children, but how can we stem the tide? Because if we help the children, we're, that's, that's our mission. That is our goal. But how about going and finding out how do we keep these, this flow of kids from just keep coming and keep coming. Mm-hmm. It's because we have to go look a little deeper, and we have to address those issues as well. Mm-hmm. Every church can give a parenting class. That's, that's a, every church, every denomination has videos. Mm-hmm. Every, making it available, call Child Protective Services and say, hey, we'd like to do a parenting class, and we're faith-based if you can, if you can uh, make sure they sign permission to come, knowing it's going to be faith-based, then they will come. Mm-hmm. You're taking that excuse away. It used to be they, they could not recommend anyone to a faith organization because it looked like the mixing of church and state. But if the person who's about to lose their children finds out that this church wants to help or as opposed to go watching a video in a cold office, um, they're going to they're gonna come to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They, everybody's heart, there's a place in their heart that only God can, God can fit there. And so this is just another avenue where we've got to be a part of, and we need to be the leaders in this. Mm-hmm. We've lost our power in a way, as far as in a social way they looked at us, but that's, we never really lost the power. Only God can truly heal a family and heal a broken heart. We want to help the victims learn that they're not alone. It wasn't their fault, and there's hope. Well, how's, how's the state agency going to do that? They can't, and now they know it. So they are knocking mm-hmm. on our doors, and we just need to go answer that door. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So what do you think the world would look like if the mission of Blue Sunday was completely fulfilled? Well, I would hope. <laughs> it's <laughs> a loaded hope. question, I know. <laughs> yes, it is. How much time do we have? <laughs> I, I would hope that that can happen I would hope and pray that happens. Mm-hmm. I think it's the desire of God's heart. He says when we when we um, do it unto them as though we've done it unto the Lord. So every time we do a project for children, it's just like we've blessed the Lord. So I can imagine when when the day came that children's needs were met, if every church even took one abused child's family in and took them under their wing, one church per family, 
in the United States, there would be no child protective services. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement would be cut in half. I mean, that's according to that's according to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. If, if if that's going to happen, not just through helping the family by providing needs, it's going to happen from helping them find a relationship with Christ. It's going to happen from showing them a way to live beyond substance abuse. It's going to show them that there's no shame in having a mental illness. The only shame is not getting help. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the church is such a powerful force, and this is a new arena that we can now move into, and we're going to change the way our country lives and treats one another by stepping in early, early, early in these children's lives and helping not just the child but the broken family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow, what's that, that, that's a great vision that that leaves us with today, Janet. Thank you. So well, I appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And you've shared a lot of uh, great, great things that we can all do, great ideas, and just kind of to get the, the ball rolling on some of this, even just let's get it started with participating in this day of prayer in, in April since it's coming up next month. But is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today? Well, I just hope I haven't overwhelmed people with ideas. The truth is your church may do something entirely different. They may just something that, that, that God has not shown us because we all have our own, our own little work boots in this, in this battle and our own uh, tools. So I'm hoping that uh, by connecting that we can share what we do, not just that we prayed. I hope they'll go online, then go to our website and register their church and their parish to pray. But I'm also hoping that they'll also tell us what they did. I love hearing stories where churches found um, a, a child trafficking shelter in their own city and became involved. I had, I tried to ignore child trafficking as long as I could. Um, but now the statistics show that abused children who age out of foster care, mm-hmm. 66% of them within one year of leaving are going to be living on the streets in jail or dead. That's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. By being on the street, from the report I read, was that they literally, there's just a, we're just funneling uh, youth into sex trafficking by not being able to provide them or or selling them on the, that they can trust, (laughs) that they can trust adults enough if they'll stay within programs Mm -hmm. to where they can learn how to make a living and they can learn about Christ. And that's our job as the faith community. Mm -hmm. One young man wouldn't even wear a t-shirt that we had at camp because it had a scripture on it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God moved on my heart when, when uh, the kids said it in front of him, look, you want him to put a t-shirt on. He doesn't believe in God. And and I just looked at him and, and my heart broke. And I just told him, look, I, I don't think God's mad at you right now for the way you're feeling. Matter of fact, he understands yeah, but yeah, you need exactly. to know when your heart got broke, God saw it and his heart broke too. And someday you're going to be his. Well, he cried and I cried. You know? <laughs> uh-huh, but you know, but that's course. our mission. That really is our mission. It's not just to heal uh, abused kids, but everybody needs healed. Everybody needs to know that God's on their side. And whatever's happened to them, it's not their fault. And they're not alone. And there's hope through Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Janet, for sharing everything with us today and giving us more background on Blue Sunday and what it is and how we can continue to, to help fulfill that mission, how we can all move forward to pray for those that have been abused and prevent the future abuse together. Wonderful. I'm glad, I'm glad we're on the same team. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you for those of us listening, and please stay tuned for next month as we continue to roll out our podcast series on all topics in child protection. Until next time. 